Hello, everyone. This is Father Bill Nicholas, and this is Faith, Hope, and History. Greetings and welcome, everybody. It is Friday, October 8th, 2021. It is on this day in 1871 that a fire broke out in the city of Chicago that would continue until the 10th of October, the Great Chicago Fire. But also on this day in 1871, a fire in Wisconsin called the Peshtigo Fire also broke out, and it is said that the Peshtigo Fire was actually more serious than the Chicago Fire. It was on this day in 1918 that Sergeant Alvin C. York almost single-handedly killed 25 German soldiers and captured 132 in the Argonne Forest in France during the First World War. On this day in 1945, President Truman announced that he would share the atom bomb secrets with Britain and Canada, two of our allies, during the Second World War. In 1956, Don Larson pitched the only perfect World Series game to date as the New York Yankees beat the Brooklyn Dodgers 2 to nothing. It was on this day in 1982 that all labor organizations in Poland were banned, including Solidarity. And it was on this day in 1985 that terrorist hijackers of the Italian ship Achille Lauro killed American passenger Leon Klinghoffer and dumped his body and wheelchair overboard. A tragedy that occurred on a cruise in the Mediterranean when Islamic terrorists took the ship Achille Lauro. In light of that, I'm not going to focus on so much today, but yesterday, on the 7th of October, there was an important anniversary of a battle that was a major turning point in the history of Europe. In remembering the tragedy of Klinghoffer in the the Achille Lauro, a ship captured in the Mediterranean by Islamic forces, yesterday was the anniversary of a battle between Catholic naval forces and Ottoman naval forces in the Mediterranean, called the Battle of Lepanto, which occurred on October 7th in 1571. Now, by then, the Crusades had been a bit of a memory for about 300 years. They had waned. They were not as successful. They lasted for over 200 years. The Crusader kingdoms lasted for over 200 years. And they were, of course, a part of the long history of conflict between the Christian West and the Muslim East. After the Islamic forces within 100 years of Muhammad's death conquered the Middle East, the Holy Land, Northern Africa, and had invaded far into Spain, were occupants of Spain until 1492, but had penetrated even as far into France, in which they were turned back in another major battle that was a turning point in history, the Battle of Tours. But by 1571, the Ottoman Empire had established its firm control of the Middle East. It had conquered Constantinople, would eventually penetrate as far into Vienna in its invasions of the western portions of Europe. But on this occasion, in 1571, Europe was divided and had been ever since the Protestant Reformation began in 1517. Nationalism was on the rise in which people identified more by their nation than by their faith. Protestant sects had grown and had separated themselves from the Catholic Church. 
the Lutherans, the Calvinists, even the Church of England had developed in 1534. So Europe was divided along national lines and upon lines of faith. It was not the united Christendom it had once been. And so the Ottoman Empire determined that this would be a good time to invade, to raid the coasts of Western Europe and establish a strong naval presence in the Western Mediterranean. They were a strong presence in the Eastern Mediterranean, but were not as strong in the Western Mediterranean. And as this was also a time of exploration and colonization in the New World, they perhaps also had their eyes on the Western Hemisphere, which was being explored and colonized by Western European nations. And so this was a major threat to Western Europe and Christian Europe as the Ottoman Turks sought to bring their fleet to the Western Mediterranean and invade Western Europe. Europe was divided, but a few nations and nation-states had remained Catholic. For example, most of Italy and Venice, Spain were among those nations. They came together and formed a coalition that was called the Catholic League. And a fleet of the Catholic League set sail, I believe from Venice in 1571, to meet the naval forces of the Ottoman Empire. The Pope at that time, Pope St. Pius V, called on the Catholic nations to pray the rosary, asking the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary in the upcoming battle, asking that this battle be a victory, asking God's intervention so that this battle would be a victory for the Catholic Navy, and that the threat of the Ottoman Empire would be offset in the upcoming confrontation with the naval forces of the Ottoman Empire. The fleet of the Catholic League was outnumbered by the fleet of the Ottoman Empire. There were more ships, more sailors, more soldiers. And it was on the 7th of October in 1571, 450 years ago, yesterday, that the two naval fleets confronted each other in the Battle of Lepanto, which occurred off the coast of southern Greece, actually off the northern coast of the southern portion of Greece in the Aegean Sea. The morning of the battle, the Mass was celebrated on all the ships of the Catholic fleet. And of course, throughout Christendom, the Pope had asked the people to pray the rosary and pray for victory. And yesterday was the 450th anniversary of the Battle of Lepanto, the Naval Battle of Lepanto, which was a resounding victory for the Catholic League. Such a great victory was it that it was attributed to the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the people praying of the Rosary. And it was on October 7th, the anniversary of the Battle of Lepanto, that Pope St. Pius V declared a feast day in which he named Our Lady, the Mother of Jesus, Our Lady of Victory. And so whenever you hear the reference to Mary being Our Lady of Victory, that is the reference that is being made to her intercession in the victory of the Battle of Lepanto in 1571 on October 
7th. Over time, because the rosary was also attributed to the victory, over time, the feast day was changed from Our Lady of Victory to Our Lady of the Rosary. And I think it's an important thing for everyone to remember because the rosary is arguably the most popular devotion in the Catholic Church. I've heard Protestants criticize the Church because of the rosary, and perhaps the most interesting comment I've heard about it was more than once in one conversation I had with two young men from the southern portion of the United States visiting San Francisco, asked to speak with me for a while, and we talked about things that were a matter of faith. But among the issues they had with the Catholic Church is one kept saying, there's nowhere in the Bible that says you have to use beads to pray. Where in the Bible does it say you have to use beads to pray? And I simply would say, nowhere in the Bible does it say that. But the Bible does call us to pray, and the rosary is an instrument of prayer. It's not an essential instrument, but it is the most popular form of prayer, of devotional prayer, that we have in our tradition as a Catholic people. But it's not just simply praying the words of the Hail Marys, the Our Fathers, the Glory Bees, the Our Father at the beginning of each decade, the ten Hail Marys, and at the end of each decade, a doxology of praise, which is the Glory Bee. And we're not necessarily called to focus on every single word of every single prayer throughout the rosary, but we are called to meditate upon the life of Christ and the effect of Christ on his followers, the most prominent of which, of course, is the Blessed Virgin Mary. And the two mysteries that begin the rosary and the two that end focus on the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Annunciation, the Visitation, and the Assumption and the Coronation of Mary, Queen of Heaven and Earth. It is a meditative prayer and a timed meditation without the stopwatch. We don't time it in terms of seconds and minutes, but we time it in terms of how long it takes us to pray and our Father and ten Hail Marys before we end with a doxology and move on to the next meditation on the life of Christ and the next mystery of the rosary. And it is a very powerful tool. I like to call it the Catholic weapon of war in light of yesterday's feast, in light of the feast that commemorates the Battle of Lepanto, in light of Our Lady of Victory. It is in many ways the Catholic weapon of war, and our Catholic weapon is prayer. And the rosary is a very popular and very powerful, grace-filled devotion. And we see its effects when prayed with all sincerity and fervor that it did bring about with Mary's intercession and the blessing of Almighty God a great victory against a threat to Christian Europe. And because of the Battle of Lepanto, while the Ottoman fleet was a threat in Eastern Europe and the Eastern Mediterranean, it never got to be a major threat in the Western Mediterranean, and of course did not go beyond the uh, pillars of the earth, as they are called, in the Straits of Gibraltar, to possibly colonize the New World. But it was a great victory, which the Church attributes to the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, her prayers before Almighty God, in answer to our prayers in praying the Rosary. And because of that great victory, we remember that now with the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. The reason it's important, I think, is because this October, this month of October, is annually the month of the Holy Rosary. And then, of course, we have the Feast of the Holy Rosary, Our Lady of the Holy Rosary, on the 7th of October. But this goes beyond just simply promoting a devotion. The history behind the feast, the history behind our devotion to the Rosary in the month of October, 
is not just a matter of devotion. It's a matter of the history of the church, which I wish more people knew and more of our children would learn in our Catholic schools. When we think of the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, we think of the devotion. But the reason we celebrate this feast is the history of the church, the presence of the church in Europe, the Protestant Reformation which has divided us over the last 500 years, and we pray we will eventually be united, not just among Western Christians, but with the Eastern churches as well the Orthodox churches. We always pray for the unity of Christians. But even in the midst of that turmoil in the church, the division in the wake of the Protestant Reformation, Our Lady granted us victory in her intercession to Almighty God. And we remember the power of prayer. Now it's also an interesting contrast because the rosary plays an important part in the a memory and event of Our Lady of Fatima during the First World War, a little over 100 years ago. We celebrate that feast in May, and the rosary plays an important part. And in that event, Mary tells the children to pray the rosary for peace. The message was not new to Christianity, but the Blessed Virgin Mary gave that familiar message to the children, and we remember it whenever we celebrate and remember Our Lady of Fatima. But what's interesting about that is Mary at Fatima said, pray the rosary for peace. And you look at the state of the world today, and in many ways we're still waiting, a hundred years later. When Pope St. Pius V asked us to pray the rosary for victory, victory was ours. Speaks a great deal to the authority that Jesus gave Peter and his successor in leading the people. Now, that's not to say that Mary has no authority, but we definitely see in her an intercessor. Whereas we see in the Holy Father the authority, the leadership of the chief shepherd of the church. Something that the Blessed Virgin Mary does not have. She's important, but she was not appointed as an apostle to be succeeded by the bishops. And I don't think she would want any authority of hers to supersede the authority given by her son, to Peter and his successors and the apostles. But we do see in her an important intercessor because it was the leadership of the Holy Father that we direct our requests for intercession to the Blessed Virgin Mary as we directed all our prayers, including hers, to Almighty God for that victory. And when we look at her instruction from Fatima to pray the Rosary for Peace, in which we are still waiting does that mean that her word is not as effective as the Holy Father's? I make the distinction between an intercessor and an authority within the church. But at the same time, what peace was the Blessed Mother referring to? And perhaps it is in the manner of how we have prayed for peace that we see perhaps that difference between praying for victory in the Battle of Lepanto and praying for peace after Fatima during World War I. Because Jesus himself says, peace I leave you, peace is my farewell gift to you. Not as the world gives it, do I give it. And perhaps it's a question we might ask ourselves whenever we pray for peace. Are we praying for an absence of war? Which of course we certainly seek. But we certainly were not praying for an absence of war when the Catholic League went out 
to face the Ottoman fleet. We certainly were not praying for peace as an absence of war. And while we hope and pray for an absence of war in our world, perhaps the peace we should be praying for is the kind of peace that Jesus left us, which is not the peace that the world could give. It's an inner peace and a tranquility and a confidence of the presence of God and his guidance, his salvation, and his love. And if more people had that peace that Jesus left us, then perhaps we would see the absence of war. But when the Blessed Mother said to pray the rosary for peace, maybe the reason why that prayer has not been answered is because we have been too busy praying for an absence of war, rather than for praying for the peace that Jesus left us, which the world cannot give us, and which we perhaps will not see the absence of war until we pray and receive that peace that only Jesus can give. But if we take anything from the lesson of Our Lady of the Rosary, Our Lady of Victory, and the story behind the Battle of Lepanto, one thing we know is when we pray for victory, victory will be ours. Even a victory in war, in battle, which we saw in the Battle of Lepanto 450 years ago. And today we see the Christian faith in general and the Catholic Church in particular under a great deal of assault. Not from forces of another faith, but secular forces, atheist forces that seek to silence the church, to marginalize the church, to make it irrelevant, to make faith something that's considered backward, old-fashioned. We see faith being belittled by people in the name of another religion, which is science, but pretty much in the name of atheism and secularism. We see it in our schools. We see it in our public life. They want to confine faith and the exercise of that faith, even the exercise of our consciences formed by faith, which leads to the formation of a just society, marginalized and silenced and confined to the privacy of the home and the church. And we see great hostility to the enemy of faith. But we perhaps could learn a lesson from Our Lady of the Rosary, Our Lady of Victory, and the story of the Battle of Lepanto. Yes, we pray for peace, but let us pray for the peace that only Jesus can give. But let us not be afraid to pray for victory in the struggle that the church finds today. It may not be a military struggle, although sometimes we find ourselves at odds continually with forces throughout the world that are enemies of freedom, enemies of Christianity, enemies of faith. Let us not be afraid to pray for victory, the victory of our faith, the victory of our faith and its influence in our society, the victory of our faith and the values to become once again prominent values in society. Let us pray for victory to Our Lady of Victory as we pray on this month of the Holy Rosary, the day after the Feast of the Holy Rosary, on the 450th anniversary of the Battle of Lepanto. Let us pray the Holy Rosary, yes, for peace. But in praying for peace, let us pray for the victory of our faith against the forces that would seek to oppose it, marginalize it, silence it, and perhaps destroy it. And perhaps in the combination of what we heard in Fatima 
and the lessons we learned in the Battle of Lepanto. When we pray for that peace that only Jesus can give, we may yet see that final victory for the forces and influence of our faith. So those are just a few thoughts I would share with you on this 450th anniversary of the Battle of Lepanto, which we remembered yesterday on the Feast of Our Lady of the Holy Rosary. It's been a very busy time, and I hope to talk a little about the busyness, uh, even here at the Cathedral in San Francisco, what's been going on and the special events we've been having. And hopefully in subsequent podcasts, uh, there won't be the kind of break we've seen in the last couple of weeks. But uh, thank you for joining me. Be sure you tune into my uh, website and to my YouTube page. But thank you for listening to my podcast of this week. And with any luck, I will talk to you again soon. (music) 